Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of the After Sunday Discussion. This is where we talk about various different things going on in society, pop culture, the things that interest us and that we want to talk about. I am one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and with me, as always, is the one and only Josh Fauzi. Cody. Yes. So, technically, this is the 16th episode we've recorded, just the 15th one that we've released. Yes, this is the 15th one that we have released. We recorded episode 16, which we recorded it when we were just super tired. I listened back to it. I was like, I don't know how much I want to post this. However, one of my (laughs) favorite podcasting moments is in that episode, and I'm going to find a way to get it out in public. And You're going to surprise me with it? I'm going to surprise Josh with it. Josh probably gave one of the best takes I have ever heard in my life it was great because he was totally convinced of something that was just so wrong so obviously so wrong. wrong and so obviously untrue and, and I, I honestly thought i well we recorded that at like what midnight it was late yeah and it was also like a long day at work it, so yeah. it was just bad it was just the, it was the worst possible day to record a podcast because we were both tired it most of most of it was boring like i listened back to it, i was like most of it was boring i don't really want to put this out here but there is a certain <laughs> clip of it that has to go out oh right. well surprise me with that yeah you guys are gonna be in a treat and i'm gonna seem like a complete idiot maybe <laughs> maybe, on, maybe on josh's birthday we'll Ooh, that there. might be fun yeah april yeah. fool's day josh's no. best podcast moment <laughs> ever although we could get a better one by then oh gosh i hope not i hope i'm never that tired again <laughs> it was pretty awesome it was terrible uh, and we're we totally we're totally trolling and teasing people right now this <laughs> this is true there was really a good moment but let's let's move on to something okay. else before people get too anyway. irritated uh josh you had a rough day today you had a rough day because you were irritated by some objects oh. that have found their way. I'm into literally the growling. Downtown. That's how mad I am about these stupid things. What are these? What are these things that are in downtown scooters. Cleveland that you? They are like? scooters. They are the worst things in the world. They are these bird and like these razor like, scooters. No. <laughs> so. This company called Bird, and then there's another company called Lime, came out with these electric scooters that you can use your app. As, as long as you can find one, you scan the barcode, you pay them money, and you get to ride around on these electric scooters that go like 20 miles an hour, and people are idiots with them, and they're darting out in front of traffic, they're going through red lights. <clears throat> and are they I mean, really just leaving them, like, lying well, around the all that's over the, the that's city? That's the thing, is like, you just leave it where you, you, you're done with it. Like, when you're done with it, you just leave it where you are. I mean, and then someone comes and picks them up at night and charges them up, whoever that person is. I feel bad for you. Um, I can't believe that people in like a municipal area, like a like a city, are just but, totally fine with this. But they're like they're popular in D.C., Chicago, New York. I mean, like wherever they're legal, they're there. Yeah. And uh, like they showed up randomly a few months ago in Cleveland, and Cleveland impounded all of them. Dang. They, they sent them an order, said get these off our streets. They had one person die in a car accident related to it. And then they're like, well, let's revisit this in three months, write a couple laws, write a couple rules, and then start taking tax money. So they allowed them back on the streets of downtown Cleveland. And these things are literally everywhere. And I understand the convenience factor of it. I understand it's a service. I understand it's a very smart business and a very smart business model. But at the same time, people need to pick them up and put them places that don't 
like, like, okay, so. It's kind of like how my house is with my children's toys. Kind of. But with scooters all over Cleveland. But like, like, so, so I was walking through downtown today and I, like, people had them on the top of wheelchair ramps, blocking doorways. Someone left it in the entranceway of one of the parking garages. It's just like, what are you supposed to do with this? Like, you know, it's going to become a game. Like, where <laughs> where are the best places you can leave these things? What are the most hilarious spots I mean, you can leave? Like, these literally, things? I know exactly where the person who rolled up to our building today got off and then started walking because they left the scooter at the base of the staircase, pointed towards the building when there's a line of scooters against the retaining wall, like ten feet away. You could have just parked them with the rest, but no, it's in the middle of the sidewalk. It's blocking the staircase. Okay. And there are people with like mobility issues who need help, who need to use the railing and you got the scooter in the way. It's yeah. just like, how inconsiderate can you be? I understand the the big thing about them is that you pick them or pick them up where you find them and you leave them where you want. But it's just like, you don't leave them in places that are going to impede other people's ability now, to now go do they to- have any like rules and regulations like if you are like for example if you left it somewhere and someone reports you like you could be fined or anything like that i don't know because they have all your information right because you have to pay to use it i don't know do you have to pay to use it yeah you gotta pay to use it yeah so basically if if the next person like reports you're like yeah this person left it like in the middle of the street if they have your credit card information they could just like slap you with a huge fine without any questions but they're asked. not going to do that because then it hurts their business you know it's all a money game it's man this is hilarious <laughs> no, the fact that this whole concept exists it sounds like the makings of a very interesting game someone well, is going think to make a, a think game about like a bike this. share yeah but it's scooters and instead of docking them at the bike share whatever you want to call those things okay we're like you this is where the bikes go. You Once you clip it back in, then you're no longer getting charged. These are just, well, I'm done with it. Get off and walk away. I mean, <laughs> now they're, they're motorized. Yes. How long can the motor last? I have no idea. With on a single charge. No idea. Cause wouldn't that be something you pay your money, you go to get one. And it's like, ah, oh, it's dead. Right. My guess is it probably like, it probably has like solar panel yeah. chargers. I don't know. It just, or it wouldn't scan in or something like I that. I understand they're convenient. I understand people use them and the people who use them love them. And what are these things called? Bird scooters. I'm looking them up right now. I'm looking them up on the interwebs. Bird. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> Like, I understand the convenience. I understand that it's a service that they provide and people use it and people love it. And that's great. I'm all for that. But just be considerate where you leave these scooters because they are just everywhere. <laughs> I wonder how long it, I wonder if one of these things could last my commute to work. My commute's about. Absolutely not. My, <laughs> my commute is about 25 miles. You think this thing could go no, 50 miles? So. I don't think so. But you saw my post on They've Facebook. They've got a bird cruiser. This is amazing. They have a bicycle, a bird. Cr- I got to get one of these, man. A bicycle. This thing looks cool. This thing looks like a power wheel. Not really. It's it's nowhere near as big of a wheel, but this thing looks cool. I would ride. I would ride the bicycle. Anyway, 
But I if mean, you're out there, if you're living in an urban area, you're using a bird scooter, just please... Like, literally, you can see exactly where they left it. <laughs> please please consider that there's probably optimal places to put these things. Don't just leave them out in the middle of the street or the, the middle of The thing I love sidewalk. about all of this, though, is that, like, I, so I posted it to Instagram, I posted it to Facebook, okay? And I get, like, no likes on it. Okay, this is kind of ironic. Well, it's not ironic. It's kind of coincidence because we talked about social media on raking coals mm-hmm. you should listen to it it was pretty good but it's just funny because like people didn't like like or share but everybody commented like i've yeah. gotten more comments on this post on facebook than i've had on a lot of other things that i feel like would be more common yeah and if anyone but, wants to jump in on the conversation they could follow you on instagram right, right pretty much yeah hgg underscore Fauzi. yeah i'm the i'm the bear with the googly eyes <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to get in on the conversation, well, that's there's no better way to get involved in the E43 community than going and giving your opinion about these bird scooters over on Josh's Instagram page. In fact, if you are the bird scooter company, we would love for you to jump in on Just the conversation. don't give us a cease and desist because we're not talking about this again. <laughs> anyway, I no, not a cease and desist, but please, you know. I, sponsorship? What? If you want to give us a sponsorship and you could provide a bird scooter. I will be singing can, praises for bird <laughs> all day if you sponsor us. I'm joking. Again. Yeah, but it's, I'm kind of serious. There's a sponsorship or even just give me a, uh, a prototype of a bird scooter that could make a 50-mile commute and I will ride it on my way to work. In fact, I'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> And I'll be, I'll be happy the, the whole I'll be in the way. car behind him videotaping it the entire time. <laughs> with, with just a whole line of traffic just honking. Like, <laughs> well, would there be traffic? Because you go to work super early. Uh, yeah, there'd be traffic. Yeah, oh, that'd would. be great. Because if I had to take a route that a bird scooter could go, I'd have to take, I would have to take 82 the whole way there. And people would not be happy. Oh, fun. People yeah, would no, be happy. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. I'd love that. Can we please do that? Speaking of happy people, though, Uh-oh. I want to talk a little bit about the Joker, right? It's kind of a kind is of a segue. Oh, my goodness. That was a terrible segue. Also, those are electric scooters. <laughs> I don't know. I Do don't, you know how much those things cost? The bird scooters? No, the Segways. Oh, no. What? They're like six. They're like five to six thousand dollars depending on which model you get wow and they only have like 12 miles range holy cow <laughs> i didn't realize they were that expensive they're super expensive i'm sorry my dad and i were talking about them and he was just like kind of curious about how much they would cost and we looked into it and it's they they go really fast though i will say yeah. that it's kind of anyway. interesting though like you <laughs> on your 16th birthday your parents come up to you be like okay you can either have a car or a segway what would you like I take the car exactly. <laughs> as you should, right? Gives you further, more, mm-hmm. more uh, efficient. More problems though. More problems. You don't need a license or insurance for a Segway. Huh? Well, or gas. Or gas. You you can't make it as far though. You can't go That's as true. many places on one on one uh, load. But anyway, the Joker. I want to talk shortly about the Joker, as well as not just the Joker, but also uh, the Mister Rogers movie coming out. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, um, uh, won't you be, be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Or beautiful day in the neighborhood? Something like that. It's won't one you of, be my neighbor. I'm one one sure. of those Mr. Rogers catchphrases. Now, the reason I want to talk about them is because I saw that these movies were reviewed way before they're going to come out. Like the Joker I saw a review for, I think they started to go up on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic last weekend. The mm-hmm. movie comes out October 4th. We are recording this on September 10th. 
So that means that reviews for the Joker were a month in advance. And I thought, that is way too far out in advance. You're just trying to get a hype train going. And then I saw today, Won't You Be My Neighbor has a review. That movie's not coming out until the end of November, like Thanksgiving. And I was like, man, this is so early. I understand they had like an early screening, an early showing of the film. And so I'm thinking to myself, I know exactly why these movies are coming out early. It's so that when you do your lead-up trailer, you can say, these critics loved it, this is how many stars it got, it's certified fresh. But to me, it also feels like I'm going to get into in a conspiracy theory over this Uh-oh. because, say, for example, these movies, they get the early showings and they're reviewed really, really poorly then the movie's going to do awful, right? Well, are they going to release the reviews? Well, I mean, I I guess that's that's another side of it. But it's like, it almost makes you feel like maybe they threw some of these reviewers a bone, some of these critics a bone, um, and and then like it's getting all these great reviews because the joker for being a comic book movie and some of the reviews i've heard it seems like this just seems like too much pandering too much too much praise for this kind of movie but then again maybe it is really good maybe it is really great i hope i hope that it is but at the same time it's like why are we getting reviews so early and and it's a total marketing thing and maybe Mm -hmm. this is the future of film marketing but it well, are they doing? So happens are they doing the same thing that were, they do with the Academy and the Academy Awards, and how they pretty much just pay for the votes? I don't know how any of that works. I think for us to go down that route is kind of conspiracy, but I mean, it's documented. Like they, I mean, well, anyway, um, I mean, like even Adam Ruins Everything did a special about that. Where okay, it's just like how how things get rewards. It's mm-hmm. like it's just who puts the most money behind it yeah it's i don't know i just how do you how do you feel about seeing a review for a movie that's not going to come out for a month or some in the case of the mr rogers movie a couple months impatient because it's like i mean i honestly thought the joker was coming out in like uh, two weeks from all the ads that i've been seeing and all the videos that are getting posted on youtube about it i'm just like oh this movie's coming out like imminently when i saw the when i saw the review come out i was like oh i'm like trying to look up mm-hmm. movie times i'm like oh man i'm probably go see it and then i find out it's not coming out till october 4th i'm like whoa what's the point in having a review you know like well i mean i think part of it is also like trying to get that that hype train going it's hype yeah it's all and hype i don't know i i don't know it's it's also like an interesting I know, at least with the Joker, people were a little turned off by just the makeup and everything when they first announced it. And they mm-hmm. threw out that that uh, teaser. What was it? Last year or something like that? It was a yeah, while ago. Yeah, probably like a year ago. Um, but it's just... So maybe they're trying to combat that. I don't know. At least for that specific movie. But I don't know why you would throw out an early review for, like, Won't You Be My Neighbor? You know people are going to go see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited about that movie. I look forward to seeing it. I like Tom Hanks as an actor. 
if you guys want to hear us talk about Tom Hanks, I can't remember which After Sunday discussion <laughs> it was, but it was the one with Zach Butler, and we talked about we kind of gushed on Tom Hanks forever. Well, okay, so if it you just guys want to hear like how he we feel about Tom getting Hanks. like these like like these perfect roles for him, like yeah. I don't know. I mean, and the thing a, about Tom Hanks too is he's always been cast in like the perfect roles for his career at the perfect age in his career. Uh, like it's just like when he was young, he got the perfect roles for his age, and now and then when he was kind of in his his thirties and forties, kind of got those perfect roles. And now that he's getting a little older, he's getting like the perfect. I mean, Tom Hanks. I mean, just what a career, what a career he's had. Uh, I yeah. think Tom Hanks is one of the greatest, one of the greatest actors, or at least has one of the greatest film. Uh, filmographies filmographies but anyway these like I look forward to seeing the movie but when I see these early reviews coming out it's like man these are they're coming out really early and they're getting really good reviews Mm -hmm. so it's like are either the filmmakers knew this is exactly what the critics are gonna like and they're starting to make movies for critics rather than for audiences and so you know is it is it really honest that this movie's really this good? Is is it they're trying to overhype it? I feel like in a way, if it's this hyped, if it's this highly received critically, it's only gonna lead to people coming and showing up and being like, well, it wasn't as good as I thought it was gonna be. Because for weeks on end, it's gonna be talked about how it was now, certified fresh and how highly it was. Right, right. Now, what if it reviewed. is that good? Ah, I mean, <laughs> I, I hope that it is for yeah. the film's sake. I mean, the Joker movie to me looks very interesting. It looks mm-hmm. very different than your typical superhero film. It's not a superhero film. Right. I, I mean, it's it's a a film about a villain that you know is evidently, I mean, not evidently, obviously exploring mental illness and kind of how that works its way into like the crime world. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a dark film. It's going to be a kid, a movie that's not for kids and now, for adults. Now, okay. So, if you guys haven't seen the trailer, I'd recommend it because it kind of sheds a lot more light than the teaser. But, what did you think about the casting of Robert De Niro and that Johnny Carson type character? I mean, it's just, it's fine. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a guy, it kind of surprises me that Robert De Niro is playing a supporting role Mm -hmm. in in a comic book movie, you know, because... I mean, I think of Robert De Niro. I'm thinking like a leading role kind of guy, but I guess he's kind of getting older now in his career. He's just probably taking whatever whatever gigs he wants. Um, but I mean, it, it looked it looked like it might be kind of funny. Uh huh. I don't know. I don't know. I find it. I, have you followed any of the controversy when it comes to uh, what's his name, Patterson? Um, Pattinson. Robert Patton- Pattinson. Yes, the guy who's going to play the new Bruce Wayne. I haven't really followed any of the controversy. Okay. I mean, I know that he's going to be playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. In the Batman. The but Batman, <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, he had to take back a comment that he made at an interview about the Joker. Because I think they had asked him what his opinion was of it and if it was going to connect to the Batman. And according to the article that the crit- like the reviewer wrote, or like the interviewer wrote about it, like he said... Pattinson made whatever his name is made a made a mundane comment about the Joker and didn't say what the comment was, but he immediately retracted it. <laughs> Interesting. And like he said, he's like, I'm not used to being in a. I think the quote that from him was, "I'm not used to being in a franchise 
that has spoilers. So okay. I don't know. It's interesting because I I'm, I would be surprised if they try to connect it to the Batman. If I or, heard they're not connected, right? Like they're different films. Is it connected to DCEU? I don't think so. I think this is like a standalone. I don't think I don't think that DC. Like I don't think Warner Brothers is tr- even really trying to promote the DCEU mm. anymore. I think they're kind of abandoning that whole thing. I could be wrong in saying this, but anyway, a lot of hype, a lot of really right. good critical reviews, like th- things that really It is Joaquin s- Phoenix though. It's Joaquin Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix has a lot of talent, but I mean I think at this point you kind of know what you're getting with Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix. He's always going to play someone who's kind of quirky in some way shape or form whether it's like he does really good with the slightly mentally deranged type of role or the kind of socially inept type of role. Like he's he kind of mm-hmm. plays that very well. Um so I I think he's going to do fine as the Joker. I think the movie from what I've seen from the trailers, it looks like it's probably going to be disturbing. It's it's probably not going to be a movie you go to. Well, it's in, rated R, isn't it? It's rated yeah. R. It's not going to be a movie you go to, and it's not going to be your typical comic book film where you're like, oh, man, like there's so much action. It's probably not going to bring you a lot of joy. It's probably going to be disturbing. It's going to be dark. And, you know, I think that that's, that got all the critics excited, right? Mm-hmm. Like back to the dark DC, right. the, the, what we liked about... Christian Bale's Batman trilogy and stuff like that. So, I mean, I hope it's good. I think it's way too early for a review. I think Mr. Rogers being two months out is way too early for a review. You're just trying to get people hyped. I think whenever you try and overhype people, it's dangerous. Super dangerous. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Speaking about hype, football Uh season started this past weekend. Are we really talking about this? And Josh and I... Um, we live in the Cleveland area, as you've heard us talk about many a times. So everyone in the area is super duper excited about the Browns. Uh, they were super, super excited about they the Browns. They were super excited about the Browns. And and for me, you know, I like football. I like the Browns. I'm still excited about what can happen this season. I still think they can do well. But so much hype, right? Everyone's thinking like Browns, potential Super Bowl. We've got all these pieces. We've got this great offense. We've got this great defense. And then Sunday comes, and they played like a team who bought into the fact that they were the favorites to win their division, the favorites to make this playoff run. They played with a lot of overconfidence and so much hype going into it just to have that balloon totally deflated when they had <laughs> they had 18 penalties for almost 200 yards worth of penalties, which, you know, being a guy who played football myself, it's like, Holy cow, that's a lot of mistakes. It's a lot of mental errors. And just kind of like it's one of those things where, right, a lot of hype led to huge disappointment. And, you know, football season is back, and it just it, it has such a, a cultural drive to it. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk about football being back oh, a little bit and make a little goodness. bit of joke about hype for a second. But, Josh, are you going to watch any football this year? Absolutely not. You're not going to watch I, any? I haven't watched really any football for like three years i don't None. know the nfl lost me i'm Man. sorry i think i think for me i i like watching sports you could call me fair weathered say whatever you want about me but i have trouble watching sports 
when the games aren't very entertaining mm-hmm. or the team I like is terrible and bad. Like, I stopped watching the Browns when they were on their 0-16 run because it's like, it's just, you know what's going to happen. They're going to lose. The game's not going to be interesting. Right. And they've got, they're not playing for anything. But mm-hmm. now, you know, I watched on Sunday. I watched the whole game on Sunday, even when they got smashed in the fourth quarter. I enjoy it. I heard they had a great opening run. They had a great opening drive. I I think drive, that... whatever. Yeah, I, I think that they, they showed glimpses of... They showed glimpses of greatness, but just totally lack of discipline, lots of mistakes, lots of things that you look at and you're like, man, these are things that from the time you're coached in peewee, mm-hmm. you're supposed to have mental discipline over these things but you know i haven't i haven't lost faith like there's some people like even sports analysts who are saying like that was a really really bad showing and it means like a lot worse is in store for cleveland but i don't know i'll watch monday night and see what happens right that's all you can do with sports if your team is consistently losing and they're consistently doing bad that's probably a sign that hey they're not going to be good i just i love the comments on social media while the game was going on though because it was just like you saw people like for that first drive was just like, oh my goodness, this is the greatest team ever. And then maybe like <laughs> <laughs> like, like 20 minutes later, you just got the, oh, the Browns are looking like the Browns again. Like, <laughs> well, And that's the thing is that if, if you're listening to this, most people who listen to this podcast are people who are in our area. But if you're a sports fan in any way, shape or form, don't abandon logic. When it comes to being a sports fan, I understand you could believe in your city's curse or bad luck or whatever. But don't abandon logic. At the end of the day, the Browns are a team that still have a good amount of talent. They have things that they have to work on. But if you're a sports fan and you you're just like, oh, typical whatever team, don't abandon logic. Look good at news the talent. is we found a kicker. Yeah, they got a good punter. Uh, he's fantastic. And there's a lot of other good pieces on the Browns too. I mean, I don't think in any way, shape, or form they're a Super Bowl run type of team especially after seeing what the Patriots did to the Steelers. It was like, oh, man, they look good. And they're, <laughs> and they're adding an even better player. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, no, I just, it's, I don't get it. But, you know, football, it has this, this dominating drive on our culture. And some people are huge, huge college fans. Some people are huge NFL fans. Very few people are both. You know, like there are some who are just like all football all the time. can't get enough. But I feel like a grown man or a grown woman, anyone can be a football fan. You only have so much time for so much football, right? Like you can't, you can't have it all. You know, when I was in high school, I could have it all, Depends on who you're talking to. That's true. If you want to live a healthy lifestyle, you can't have it all, right? right? You you can't be watching football from Thursday to Monday. Not a good habit. Um, But anyway... It has this dominating drive on our culture. However, I feel in some ways it might be diminishing just a little bit. I think that the the kneeling issue, I think people pulled away from the NFL because of the national anthem issue. And I also think a lot of what is being said on concussions and all that stuff and some of the things going on with head injuries, I think there's a lot of kids whose parents aren't engaging them with football so maybe there's just a lack of interest in football from a cultural standpoint. I have no data behind this, but I feel well, like that's kind of the overarching narrative on football right now. In culture. Well, that's one of the reasons why I stepped away from football was just the whole concussion thing because I was 
at the time I was leading a church youth group and I was watching certain kids who were playing football get multiple concussions and you saw changes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like here's a sport that has been documented to be somewhat dangerous. Not somewhat dangerous, very dangerous. Football is dangerous, yeah. And uh, and you have, I mean, like like one of the big things is like how many concussions aren't getting reported. I mean, I remember kids in high school who played football who played through concussions because they didn't want to be off for a week yeah. or two weeks. And and what's that? What's the long term effect of that? And like, I think, and not. I don't want to get preachy and I understand football is important to a lot of people, but I mean, you, you put your money where you value things. Mm-hmm. And for me, I couldn't support something that was doing that to all those people Yeah, and having those long-term effects and impacting people's lives. And I understand technically, statistically girls, soccer, girls, high school soccer has more injuries than boys, boys, high school football. That's supposedly, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like I've I've been around enough teenagers as a youth leader to know like what their coaches will ask them to do yeah. and what their coaches because football's big money. Yeah. And Yeah, and I don't wanna I don't wanna put too much on coaches either. As right. as a former player, like there are things you just don't say. Right. And there's a lot of pain that you play through as a football player. And I think that could also be where some of this information on girls soccer versus boys football comes in. Just like as a football player, there are things that hurt and things you tweak and things that happen that you just don't say anything about because it's like, whatever, it's part of the game. And I'm not saying that this makes you know guys so much tougher, but it's just like, hey, I'm playing a sport where people run at me as fast as they can and they hit me as hard as they can. Stuff's going to happen, right? So right. so I think a lot of times you play through some things that you probably shouldn't. I mean, there's probably a lot of lot of athletes out there in all sports because they want to keep playing. They mm-hmm. have the desire to keep playing. They play through sprains and tweaks and, and probably minor fractures right. all the time that they don't really think are anything more than just a little bit of pain. But there there's long-term damage that's done because of that. You know, me, I have... I have a jacked up ankle right now that you've had that one for since yeah, high school. Yeah, screwed it up my senior year in high school. Um, got a got a pretty bad uh, fracture and and torn uh, lig- ligaments and things like that. Uh, it's called syndesmosis. Anyone who wants to look it up, basically, it's the ligaments in your ankle that attach it all together down there get screwed up they get stretched and i had to have plates and 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 a rod through there it's it's pretty fascinating what's going on in my ankle however i rolled it about a year ago and got a sprain on it and ever since then just like just this remedial soreness that just follows me and it's just like yeah thank you thank you football i i still do i do love football i like football i think it's fun to watch but i think you make an interesting point in we know as a society, as a culture, we know that there's some seriously bad side effects about football. And what do we say about it when we continue to watch it by the millions every every week, you know? Mm-hmm. And not that I'm to say that, oh, you know, we need to get rid of football. I'm not, I'm not going to say that because I like watching it, right? But 
sometimes you do feel like, man, I am kind of throwing my support at something where people are like legitimately getting, getting hurt. very hurt, you know? But I mean, the same thing goes with like high school and college. I mean, the people in the NFL are at least getting paid millions of dollars. I mean, that's the justification right. yeah, here for, for sure. a lot of people. But it's just like, how many kids are getting concussions every week playing high school sports? Yeah. And I mean, like, I've had a concussion and it sucks. It wasn't that serious, but I've seen people who've, they've, per, their personalities have changed. Yeah. They're, they've, they become more temperamental. They become more withdrawn. And it's like, you wonder if it's really just because of the concussion or if it's something else happened or like, I don't know. It's just weird because, I mean, we have the science to show like the effects of head mm-hmm. trauma. Yeah. Um, and you have former NFL players coming out and saying, this is what I'm dealing with because of the head trauma. Yeah. And it's like knowing this, I mean, I'm not a parent. I don't know about you, Cody, cause you are a parent, but like if I ever have kids, I'm never signing them up for some football. Yeah. I, it's At one, least not tackle. Yeah. It's one of those things where I've, I've highly th- thought about this. And the truth is, is that looking at myself in my wife, just our own biology, our own physical makeup, our children probably aren't going to have what it takes from a physical standpoint to become an NFL athlete. I mean, I just don't see it happening. I mean, you have to be a biological phenom to be a professional athlete when it comes to especially the NFL and especially the NBA. You have to be, mm-hmm. you have to be an anomaly. And... You have to be an anomaly on top of being someone with a really hard work ethic and and really and a good skill set and, and really good skill set and determination. Like it takes the whole package. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to have the whole package. And I don't see my kids having that whole package. However, I will say that football for me was really really important for my own character development. Being part of a high school football team even though I wasn't like the star athlete, even though I wasn't going anywhere in college football, I really value the lessons I learned of being on a team, playing the sport of football. And football more so than any sport I played. I've played soccer, never played basketball on an organized team, but played enough pickup basketball to understand that, you know, one player can can take over the game and and turn it around and and that can happen in football but the reality in football is that plays don't happen if a majority of the team aren't working together to make it happen like you need that offensive line you need the play to be executed well from under center getting the snap to the running back or the pass to the wide receiver like there's so much of everybody playing their part and pulling their weight. That's really cool about football and a lot of good life lessons there. I think that's why you see a lot of pastors who played football, use football references because there's so much about teamwork, so much about working together that I think are good lessons. I mean, really, it, I mean, football in a way is a simulation of, of battle. I mean, that's virtually what it is, right. right? You're battling on a field for dominance over the field. And, uh, I think there's a lot of good life lessons in there. However, you can still learn a lot of those lessons from maybe a less violent approach to football, like like flag or something like mm-hmm. that. And I know people online who listen to this, oh, no way, flag football's for, for wimps. And 
Don't get me Was wrong. Is that your best Arnold impersonation? Oh, I can do a better Arnold. I can do a better Arnold. Oh, my God. Listen to me. You are going to play tackle football if you are a man. You do not play flag football. That is for wimps. You just insulted like that, half of the people that listen to this. That is that, right? for... <laughs> how am I insulting anybody? Anyway, I don't know, man. I, I, I would want to let them play if they wanted to play. But... I mean, it's true. There is potential for some serious, serious injuries. I mean, like, so... You know, I'm, like, I've, I know, I've had those injuries. You I, know? Like, I played football in middle school. Parents wouldn't let me play in high school. Whatever. I don't care. But, like, I've watched... Like, there's, there's a specific example in my head where I've watched three generations who've all played football <coughs> and taken it to college who have walked away from the game with pain, like yeah. physical enduring pain. Mm-hmm. And that follows them the rest of their lives. Right. And you're watching it all happen. Like grandpa, dad and son are all dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Yet the son had the example of the grandpa or not the son. The dad had the example of the grandpa and still let his son go through all of that. Yeah. And it's it, I like I, for me, I just, You make your own decisions in life. It's your choice. It's your story. You write it. You you have you have the ability to write your story the way you want it to be written. Yeah. But one of the questions that you have to ask yourself is what is the wise thing to do? Right. Not what's the right thing to do, but yeah. what is the wise thing to do? Knowing what I know, seeing the examples that have been set before me, and and knowing the lessons that I've learned along the way so far, what's the wise thing to do? Yeah. And it's, I mean, like I know for me, like one reason why I exercise regularly is because I've watched family members deal with health issues because they aren't active. And it's like, okay, knowing that I better get my butt in shape. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, like not saying it's exactly the same, but it's also like. I know that my family has a propensity for diabetes, so stay away from the carbs and the sugar. I mm-hmm. know, like, these are things that I know about my biology and I know about my family history and my genetics that it's like, okay, knowing that, how can I try to avoid that and mitigate the pain and suffering that I don't necessarily need to go through? Right. And that's, like, my viewpoint on the subject, and, like, that's why football for me is kind of just, like, we know it hurts people, we know it there's long-term damage related to it. So why are we letting our kids deal with it? Yeah. I mean, and and, you know, I think part of it too, like I, I will say this from playing football in, you know, organized level playing it in high school and then playing flag football in an er intramural level in college, just for fun, just to go out there and play and have fun. I, I do think that, there was more fun had just playing intramural flag football than I had in high school football. In spite Mm -hmm. of all of the memories and all of that stuff, there was something that was fun about being able to go out on a Saturday morning and knowing that there was a pretty good chance I wasn't going to walk off the field with a totally jacked (laughs) up body at the end of the day. Granted, I still did tear a ligament in my finger playing flag football. Got got what's called jersey finger. (laughs) Got my finger caught in some guy's shorts. Hurt like crazy, but uh, and 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 the reality is is that there's there are 
common injuries in basketball and baseball and soccer and lacrosse and polo, water polo and gymnastics yeah. and CrossFit and whatever physical activity that you're partaking in. Right. I mean, like, you know that, but it's like, here's one that is very, like, the chances of you getting one of those traumatic injuries is just dramatically higher than the rest right. you know what you know what i would really like to see i would like to see a comparison over the course of a career over the course of the career how many hard hits does a ufc fighter take to the head versus a we'll just say an nfl linebacker right like or or like an nfl lineman probably probably linemen are the people who are making the most contact um, but I would say maybe even a linebacker is probably making the most just like high impact force contact, right? Because that person is going high speed all the time, going straight to the ball, trying to make that that play, that tackle. You're, you're reading the run or you're reading the pass, always trying to hit the ball carrier. And I would love to see like a comparison analysis of how many hard hits like a, a UFC fighter or a boxer takes to the head versus like an NFL football player. At this point, I'm willing to say over the course of a career, a football player probably actually takes more shots to the head than someone who's fighting. Maybe for exponentially. Because, I mean, you think four or five years, how many fights is that MMA or that UFC fighter going to fight? We'll say 20. 20 fights. Okay. So you say maybe he takes, what, 50 hits to the head a fight? I have no idea. We would have to ask an, an expert on this. I'm I don't not know. A I don't expert. know. However, I, just, I do know a boxer, a boxer as far as shots to the head, is actually not taking that many direct shots mm-hmm. because you're defending yourself, right. right? UFC would be similar, right? You are defending yourself. Right. Whereas in football, you're not really defending yourself. You're just going right. full blast. And how many snaps are there in a football game? In a football game, you are probably on one side of the ball. You're probably playing about 50 plays a game. So total... 30, 30 to 50 plays a game. So you're talking 60 to 100 plays a game total? Probably. Between both Okay. Between right. both sides. So, I mean, you think... It's a lot of points of contact. My, my guess is in a given game, 16 games a year, my guess is that a... a, a a defensive and a defensive player is probably going to make twenty points of hard contact a game. I'm gonna say at least. That's three hundred and twenty points of hard contact a year. A year over the course of five years. years. That's fifteen hundred. That's sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred. And that's just games. That's not practice. That's not right. preseason. That's right. nothing. So you're right. talking about And that's also understanding that it's not just one-on-one contact it's also it could be one on one on two it could be one on three it could be one on four it depends on how the play play goes so you could be getting hit two three times on the play where at least when it comes to a fight like a fighter they're only concerned with one other person right you're only getting hit from one person right okay and you can focus on that person you can control that person or at least try to control where that person is going to punch yeah. you at or kick you at. Where in football, you come off the line, you could have three guys on you depending on what the other side's playing, and then they could all be hitting you just as hard as yeah. 
everybody and you can't control that's true that environment yeah it's that's true and and uh, you know the the thing about the nfl too is we're talking about looking at numbers just roughly in our head right 300 pound man based, of muscle right <laughs> and, and that's just based off of once you get into the nfl that's not your time leading up there. That's not your time in college. That's not your time in practice. You know, so it's 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 a lot of blows to the head over the life of an NFL football player. And you know, it's it's one of those things where we just don't really think about until you think about it. Yeah. And talking about things that you don't think about oh until goodness, you think are we about talking it. About this? Uh, Josh, you were telling me about a fascinating Instagram account. Now, I don't know <laughs> if you want to say it over the podcast. I think it'd be totally fine too. It's a private um, account, but you can request it. It's called, um, give me a sec. Let me, it's, I'm pulling it up. It's, the shower thought the shower thought yeah I like so this. it's just like thoughts that you have in the shower and it's they have i don't know it's they're things that you don't think about until you think about them and the more you think about them they kind of become like like oh my goodness that is so true and it's i i was sharing some with cody earlier i don't know cody would you want me to share some of these he's he's saying yes from the refrigerator because he's getting a snack um Let's see here. Okay. So we'll go with this one. Um, if you give your friends... Wait, not... No, no. If your friends tell you not to give in to peer pressure and you don't, technically you did. <laughs> or um, there's, there's a couple. I don't know which one. I shared a lot with Cody. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, um, you shared a lot with me. I think... Um Trying to remember which one was the. I like the peer pressure one a lot. Um, what's the one about the cats? Oh, if humans didn't exist, cats wouldn't know how tuna tastes like. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> weird, right? Right. The cats would never have fish. I, seriously, and they love tuna, right? I mean, uh, technically, dinosaurs have killed the same amount of people as goldfish. <laughs> um. Oh, there's like there was one, like and then they have like really weird, like really funniest things. Like policemen must find playing GTA really awkward. That is funny. This is one of my favorites. It's so a lap, someone's lap is a non-existent body part that imagine that imaginably exists only when you're sitting. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm going to share, I'm going to see, uh, there's another one that I'm going to share and it'll be, it'll probably be the last one I share just because they, these get really, really morbid, really, really quick. And they are, I, I think Lydia, my sister and I, we spent, we spent almost two hours just talking about these cause it was just like, let's see here. Um, Oh, here's one. If all the ants in the world decided to fight humans, then each person would have to fight off a million ants each. Wow. Because <laughs> there's, there's like a ridiculous amount of ants. Oh, there was the one. The one in 76 people are subscribed to PewDiePie. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> crazy, right? I'm not. I'm not. Neither am I. 
but still. Um, one sec, I did see one that I wanted to share though. That's so crazy to think about it. For example, if you guys are listening to this, it's a good chance you know Josh Wright. It's a good chance you go to church. If you go to church in a church of 200 people, that means that four people in your church are subscribed to PewDiePie. At least four. Probably getting, uh, I'm sorry, not at least four. Um, at least three, right? Mm-hmm. So at least three, which, you know, it, it's it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you think about that on a world scale, like a, a world scale, there's what, six to seven billion people in the world, that's just, that's crazy. That's mm-hmm. that's nuts. That's so many people subscribe to one YouTube channel. And good for him, man. He's he's he has turned YouTube into the 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 craze that it is. I think he's had a big part to do with why YouTube's as big as it is. But uh Okay, so I'm going to share two more and that's it. You got to stop me after these two. Okay. Two so more. The one that's is it. the one is uh surgery is stabbing someone to life. Oh jeez. That's disturbing. And then uh, this one's also very, like, I told you these get really morbid. Um, But this is comic book related. Okay. Okay. The guy who killed Batman's parents saved a ton of lives. Get out of here. Get out of (laughs) here. That's, that's, I think, the darkest we've gone on this podcast before. Normally, the after Sunday discussion is something that is meant to bring people joy. Now I think a lot of people are really second guessing whether or not they should watch Batman anymore. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Talking about Batman, they um, are rebooting Batman yet again. Yes. Yet again. And my question is... Oh, no. Do you think we have just too many reboots, too many remakes? I saw the other day, and I confirmed this before we started recording on the podcast, they're even rebooting the cartoon Rugrats, like the animated cartoon. For me... I don't necessarily think you need to reboot an animated cartoon, right? Just, just show the reruns, right? It's yes. However, I will say there are some reboots that I will get behind 100 percent because they are better than the original. Which ones? Ducktales. <laughs> the new Ducktales. I haven't is... watched. I think I watched like 10 minutes of it the other day with my kids. Okay, I watched the entire first season. It's phenomenal. Because it's a lot more linear, linear of a story. Does it have the same theme song at the beginning? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, they kept the theme song. I like updated the theme song. a little bit more. Um, great, great voice talent, and it's like to the point where, like, where the original, the the uh, Dewey, Huey, and Louie kind of had like those really high pitched voices. Mm-hmm. Like they've kind of gone away from that makes it a lot easier to listen to they brought back a lot of the same old villains but they've made them more interesting more now i saw death. the dark wing duck was in an episode mm-hmm. of that yep he wasn't was he originally part of ducktales dark i wing believe duck? he was he was okay yeah. or at least he was a spinoff because i know that dark wing duck had his own show as well like there was a yeah. dark wing yes, duck show yes, yes. and okay. that was a spinoff okay um but yeah no i i fully support the new ducktales um the the Clone Wars animated show was a reboot. That's true. That's well, <laughs> it was kind of a reimagining of the film, right? Because they made a film, but then they had that 
2D cartoon. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did. And they rebooted it to be 3D animated. So here's and my... And the new th- one was phenomenally better than the original. Here's my theory on reboots and remakes. I don't think we've talked about this on the After Sunday discussion before. I think they should reboot and remake things that had potential but were bad. Like things that had potential, but they were released mm-hmm. and they were bad. They they were released to just lack of excitement, lack of um, success because they just did a couple of things a little wrong, but they had potential, right? Mm-hmm. But what they do is they remake things that were great and fantastic, yeah. and then <gasps> they end up worse, right? Like all of these all these movies that Disney's doing, where they're taking them from animated to live action. I just I I, I think most of them have been mediocre at best and I haven't there seen there were a couple that I haven't seen the Lion King yet so I can't I speak. heard the Lion King was mediocre I can't speak on the Lion King but I mean even seeing like Aladdin for example Aladdin a movie I know you like I'm not I'm not going to smash it or tear it down or anything like that but for me I watched it I was like this is a fun movie it's a cute movie but it didn't have the same just it great, almost seemed unnecessary right and it just like it didn't have the same over-the-topness that the animated movie had because in a live-action movie, you just can't do it, right? Because right? it's live-action. Mm-hmm. Whereas in an animated movie, you can just do all these I things. I thought Beauty that- and the Beast was actually really, really nice. I thought that was... that. Honestly, I think it's probably Disney's best animated-to-live-action remake. I didn't like the music of Beauty and the Beast. I didn't. I didn't. I. You know me. I like Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. I. I. You know. I. I had a crush on her mm-hmm. when I was in high school, right? And Harry Potter was big, but, um, I didn't really like the music. I. No? I did. I didn't. It. To me, it was like. Uh, I thought the animated movie had an. Had a better soundtrack, but I, I didn't think it was. Okay. I didn't think it was terrible. Remake with animated soundtrack. I mean, still, I mean, yes, the set pieces look good. They look great. They make it look really nice. But at the same time, I just think there's something those animated movies had because they're animated that you can't do in a live action. And and I've said this about animated things before when I've talked about Dragon Ball Z, right? Yes. They, they are never going to have a successful anime or Dragon Ball Z type of movie that, that turns into a live action and is as charming, right? Because there's just certain things you can't do with live action. What was action. the one that just came out that was super popular? The uh, It was like Battle Angel or something like that. Alita? Alita yeah. Battle Angel? No, I never saw that. I okay. never. I, I mean, I don't watch I heard, a lot of anime. I, I, I only any, watched so. Dragon Ball Z. So, But I mean, I think from going from animated to live action, when you make something that's animated, you have a certain type of vision. You have a certain type of style. That doesn't necessarily translate over into live action because it's just different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's I think it's the same problem that video game movies have. Like a video oh, game. Oh, well, let's not get into video game movies, well, please. <laughs> no, we won't. Too much. But a video <laughs> game sets out with a certain purpose in mind, right? It's to it's to have you have these engaging interactive right. experiences. Whereas a movie has a much different purpose. It's meant to entertain you yeah. and through through visual storytelling and, and to, uh, you know, make you think about its themes and things mm-hmm. like that. And that's not necessarily how video games approach it. Video games, I think, can tell great stories, but they have to think about it like this has to be entertaining from the point of interaction. And mm-hmm. I think when you just try and take that story out and then you put it into a 
film, it's like, it doesn't work as well, right? Because if you have like a movie that progresses through a bunch of like levels and then boss fights, it's like, well, that's kind of, it's kind of tacky, right? It just doesn't work well as a movie. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I think you kind of have the same trouble when you go from animated to live action. And I think remakes and reboots, I think we're, we're at a point now where I think I'm starting to feel the groans from people. Starting to feel. I'm the starting to groan. I'm sorry. It's because you think about it. We're gonna have. This is gonna be. I'm trying to think. You had. I mean, how many Batman's have we had since Batman? Um. Well, I mean, if you're talking about how many people have played Batman, is that what you're asking? I'm trying to think reboots. I mean reboots. I mean, if you think about reboots. You had Batman, which started, that was like the, the Tim mm-hmm. Burton thing. We'll, we'll go from there. We're not going to go back right. to the 60s with right. Adam West. We're not going there because I don't know much about it. But you got Batman with Tim Burton, his whole vision. I would say that that played out through four movies, right? Batman, Batman Returns, even though Batman Forever and Batman and Robin had a different team making it. Right. It's kind of like that same universe. Right. So you got four of those movies, and that was rebooted with Batman Begins. Right. Batman Begins ran three movies. Then, then you have Batman versus Superman. Then you have Batman of. versus Superman, and now we're looking at the a, new, a new Batman in the Batman. So you're talking four Batmans. You're talking three, potentially four Spider-Mans. Yeah. Because Spider-Man's out of the MCU now, which is super sad, and it doesn't look like he's coming back. I mean, you have, I mean, I've seen, what, three iterations of, no, maybe two iterations of Tarzan. Like, you just, it just seems like we're not doing anything new. It's just recycling old. And if we do something new, it's always like, like you think of, um, like, it's always like new with a twist. But it's never yeah. like a big enough twist to really change the story. I don't know. It's just weird. We live in a place, we live in a time where it's like, it's just, like you said, it feels like it's always a remake. And yeah. it's- Remakes, reboots, reimaginings, all these things are super duper popular. And I think it's because it's easy marketing, easy ticket sales. And the thing is, is that people like you and I, we're sitting down, we're having this conversation and it's like, I don't really want to see any more remakes. But the reality is, is we're still going to spend our money and go see them because once the marketing sets in, once you see the trailers, it's like, oh, maybe I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. And then you go, you watch it, and you're like, eh, okay. It's about what I expected. And, and, and it's like, it doesn't even matter that they're good. It just matters, can they do enough to sell you a ticket? Like That's what matters, right? right? right. And it's like, ah, oh, it's so it's frustrating because it gets sucked into it every time. You want to you hear something really funny? So I have friends who, they love Lion King. Okay. So they love the animated. I love the animated movie. It's one of my favorite animated movies. Um, so when they said the live action, they got super excited. And they went opening night and was completely disappointed. So disappointed to the fact that they bought late tickets to the Broadway when it came into town and they went and saw that just so that they could feel better about Lion King. Wow, that's <laughs> some serious fandom. That's a lot of money spent on Lion King I fandom know. right there. That's but apparently like the new Lion King had their voice cast was not the greatest. Yeah. I mean the reality is is it's it was in a movie made to be hand drawn and mm-hmm. animated. Like a photorealistic film of that I, and I, I said this on this podcast, on this podcast, I had my doubts. When everybody was on the hype train, everyone was excited about it, I was like, I just don't know if this is the movie that 
we really are going to be excited mm-hmm. about and really enjoy. And then a lot of people didn't like it, right? Yeah. And so it's just, for me, another thing I miss, what I really miss, I miss hand-drawn animated films. And well, You're not going to get that. I know, they're not coming back. They're just done. But I saw a fantastic hand-drawn animated film over the weekend, watched it with my kids, a movie I consider to be... Oh, we're talking about this? I love this movie. A movie I consider to be an absolute classic. And I I think the more time that goes by and the more people that watch this, I think a lot of people missed it initially because it was competing against the Disney, you know, phenomenon, right? right? The Disney Renaissance. Um, The Iron Giant... I haven't really met anyone who's seen this movie who hasn't liked it, but The Iron Giant is a fantastic film. It's hand-drawn, animated, classic animation. The story is so, so well told. The emotion, the voice acting, the whole movie is just fantastic. If you have not seen The Iron Giant, watch it. Get a Vudu account. You can watch it for free. You just have to watch a few ads, but oh my goodness, this movie is amazing. Probably my favorite animated movie of all time. And it just is so well done. It is, in my opinion, a perfectly paced film, a perfectly acted film, just a fantastic story. And I mean, it's, it makes you kind of want to cry there for a moment. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, it's going to get to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I love the movie. Wish that we had more movies like that. And, and for me... What's really cool about The Iron Giant is it reminded me of a time when movies really, and for the longest time, up until about like the 2010s, late 2000s, were always trying to be more imaginative, do something different, do something new. And now The Iron Giant is based on a comic book, but still, like, that was a a roll of the dice, right? Like, it was based Mm -hmm. on a comic book made in the late 60s, early 70s, can't remember when, but... Uh, you know, it was like, okay, we're not really riding the Disney um, the Disney momentum or anything like that. Warner Brothers made this movie, and it's fantastic. I, I can almost guarantee that movie is why Brad Bird was given the role to do Incredibles and stuff like that with Probably. Pixar, because Iron Giant was so good. <laughs> it is so good. And it had a good cast, too. I mean, oh, Jennifer yeah. Aniston's in it. Vin Diesel plays the Iron Giant. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... It was very well done. Yeah. And it, I mean, it hit deep, deep issues too. Absolutely. I mean, and it wasn't a, just a fluff piece. It was, it was a good movie. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it didn't make that much in the box office though. No, it didn't. It was just, and it was a different time. And 1999? It, yeah, 20 years ago. Tw- yeah. 20 years ago. I mean, it only made $23 million at the box office. Twenty-three million in nineteen ninety-nine. It is seventy million dollar budget. <laughs> was it really that big of yeah. a budget? So it was a box office failure and flop, which is so sad because the movie is so good. And that movie came out, loved it when it came out, and around the same time, another movie I love came out, Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet, another hand-drawn animated classic film. Now I do think that that is, is it Disney hand-drawn though. Treasure I didn't Planet, think it it's like a hybrid format. Like okay. it's got So it uh, kind of took like the the CG kind of style from yeah. like the Great Mouse Detective that they introduced in that movie and kind of expanded on it. I've never seen I've never seen <gasps> that. But 
What? But you've the, never uh, seen you've never seen the Grace the no, Great Mouse no, Detective. No. What? No, I haven't. Dude, you're missing out on a Disney classic. Oh, okay, I'm gonna have to watch it now. I'm writing it down. It's the last movie in the Disney Dark Age. It kind of like brought about the Renaissance. Okay. Yeah, it is. It is a really good movie, and it's like all Sherlock Holmes based, which is great. And okay, great voice cast, great plot, very, very engaging. I don't know, Leo. I don't. Your your oldest might might be able to watch it, but I think it might be a little. There might be a couple scenes that are a little too dark for Ezra. Okay. Sorry. Speaking of dark, in. are you have you watched or are you gonna watch Dark Crystal on Netflix? No. No. No to both. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I I, mean, I don't know. I want to watch it. I mean, it looks pretty cool. Did you ever see the movie back no. in back in the day? No. Oh man, it's a cool movie too. You should watch the movie. What am I watching on Netflix? I'm trying to remember. Dude, I don't know what I'm gonna do when Disney Plus comes out. What do you mean? Like, are you I mean, considering canceling Netflix? Yes. Oof. I think you're not alone in that. But because if you get the the deluxe or whatever the not the basic Disney Plus but the one that's above it, you get Disney Plus plus ESPN plus ABC plus Hulu. You know what I feel? Here's how I feel, and I could be, and this is me. You know me. I'm like a loyal guy, loyal to the T. I feel like. If you have Netflix and you've had Netflix for years, you've enjoyed Netflix. Netflix has provided you with a lot of entertainment. And then Disney, the big juggernaut of juggernauts, comes in. They offer you a, a service that what they do is they rip off Netflix's whole model, their whole deal, what Netflix created. And they say, you know, we're pulling all of our stuff off Netflix. We know people love Disney and we're going to create this platform. I feel like if I were to just go to Disney Plus and totally abandon Netflix, it's like a total like Benedict Arnold move. <laughs> that's just like, that's like kind of being a traitor, you know? But I mean, that's the world of it's capitalism, like, right? I that's know. the world of the free market. I just, I was looking, because like you get Hulu thrown in. I know. For I, the same price as Netflix, you not only get Disney Plus, but you get Hulu and on demand, or you get ESPN Live, ABC, and and the Fox selection. I know it's crazy. It's a crazy good deal. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And it's a deal that only Disney can offer. And I right. just I I hope Netflix can compete somehow. Uh, Netflix is too over leveraged. They got too much debt. Yeah, aren't they in the hole because of all their original series yes. that really don't make any money? Yes. My thing about it is, most of the stuff I watch on Netflix is on Hulu. So if okay. I, for the same price, I can get everything that I watch on Netflix and also get the Disney stuff and the stuff that's going to be offered through Disney. Might as well just do that. Yeah. That's ah, just such a shame. It's a shame because I think it's going to happen to a lot of, of Netflix subscribers. I don't know if Netflix can make a move. Like, and don't, I mean, I don't work for Netflix or anything, but how do, what do you do? What do you do to compete with the largest media company in the world that all of a sudden says like, hey, Netflix, we used your service for a while. You gave us some great ideas. Oh, yeah, we're sinking your ship. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, man, what what are you going to do? And and this is obviously it's like panic mode thinking. But, I mean, what can Netflix do? 
$12.99 a month to get the biggest movies in the U.S. Right. And then you get Hulu thrown in, which Hulu is a very good service. It's a very passable service. ESPN, huge. Fox. Fox, huge. Like, it's like, oh, man, what can Netflix do? You know? You can lower your subscription prices. You could throw in a DVD package or something like that. Who's going to use the DVD package? Most most laptops don't even come with DVD players or DVD drives. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean... Use Netflix for a long time, but I mean, really, there's only a few shows on Netflix that are like that would be a draw for me to stay on, mm-hmm. that are Netflix originals. And if I can get it, get everything else somewhere else, I mean, for a better price and a better deal. It I just mean, seems like everyone's kind of just leaving Netflix. You know what I'm saying? Like CBS has left Netflix. No, because Blue Bloods is still on it. My guess is it was under some type of contract they made a long time ago. But Maybe. I mean, CBS is trying to pull all of its biggest shows off Netflix. I mean, I don't think Big Bang Theory has been on there for a couple of years now. Right. Um, um, How I Met Your Mother dropped. How I Met Your Mother, they got um, that off of there. They just put they just dropped Magnum P.I. on Amazon Prime, which is a classic CBS show. Mm-hmm. Um, did they drop Hawaii Five-0? I'm not sure. I think I think it's still on Netflix. I think they're newer stuff. And then you, on the other side, right? You've got Netflix, who's in the middle of competing with Amazon and Disney. I mean, what a terrible place to be. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not that Netflix. Well, they're is not just, only competing against them; they're competing against what is it? Sony has their own PlayStation View subscription, yeah. right? Well, the, Sony, Sony, Sony has just got yeah. so much going on. They've got so much money to throw around. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, whatever. We'll have a streaming service um, too. It's whatever. What's the other one that they're competing against? I'm trying to remember. What's the other big streaming service other than Hulu and Sling is pretty big. Yeah, Sling. I mean, Sling for cable, but yeah. I don't, I don't put Netflix in the same realm as like competing with cable subscriptions. I, I, I very much view them as competing with your CBS, your uh, your I ESPN mean, you think, streaming, your you think, Hulu's, you your think you have Disney Amazon Plus. Prime, which has Amazon Prime. Yeah, and but everybody I mean, and their brother is is moving over to Amazon for their shopping. Right, and it's just a no brainer. But then you Prime. also have the ability to access movies that aren't Prime and rent them one off. Yeah, which undercuts Redbox. And I think and, that's kind of Netflix should have adopted that a long time ago. They well, Netflix said, "Well, we just we'll just send the DVD." But nobody uses DVDs. Yeah, yeah. Like, Netflix should have adopted the rental service in there as soon as they saw that Amazon was doing this. They had Prime, and then they had, like, if you can't watch it on Prime, well, it'll still show up in your feed. You just got to pay four bucks to rent it, or five or six whatever bucks. Whatever the, you know. whatever you want for the resolution. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Netflix is a sinking shit by any means, but um, they I don't see how they can keep themselves because they're using the Amazon model of let's 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 borrow money to make money, and eventually we should be able to make enough money to pay off what we borrowed. That's what Amazon did, but Amazon sells products. Amazon sells products, and they're the biggest shipping company in the world. Well, now they are, but but back then it what they weren't. Mm-hmm. Well, like. Netflix doesn't sell product. They sell subscriptions. Mm-hmm. So it's like where Amazon can leverage the fact that they now own Audible and they now you can buy and they have Kindle and you can buy 
things from Amazon direct with Amazon Basics. Okay, and they have other products to supplement their subscription service when it comes to TV. Like you have, they have multiple, and now they have Amazon Web Services, which is the hosting. I mean, they do a lot of hosting for a lot of big companies and agencies. Like, so here you have a diverse revenue stream that allows you to support the price that you get Amazon Prime for. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you think. A resolution for Netflix is ads. Yes. Ads. Well, that's what's going to end up happening probably. I mean, it's going to have to have ads, right? Because they're going to need to make money somehow. Yeah, but the problem is the moment you add ads... You'll lose subscribers. Yes. So I think... Because the reason people went to Netflix was to watch TV without ads. But I think you can also do ads in a tasteful way that's different. Maybe instead of having multiple running ads, you have at the beginning of whatever you're watching, 30 second ad, right? And But then you're gonna have what what YouTube's going through right now, where they need to increase revenues to make their stock their shareholders happy. Their Google shareholders happy. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They you no longer have one ad, you have one ad every ten minutes. Now you have two ads. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's to increase ad revenue. Well, yeah, but YouTube's a little different though because they're not getting they're not getting any money from the viewer unless unless they're clicking on an ad. Yeah, whereas but, Netflix already has already has fifteen bucks or whatever from the viewer already. I mean, it's not a lot of money, but I mean, when you have millions of viewers, right? I don't know. I just I don't see how Netflix can compete with Disney Plus. I really don't. No, I mean, I, I mean, I absolutely don't see how they can compete. I mean, the unless- only the only thing I see is that people, there's enough people out there who are just like, I'm not giving my money to Disney. That's the only. I think that's the only hope that Netflix has, right? Is that people are just like, I just don't want Disney to be a monopoly. But I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think be, I don't think the consumer is gonna think that way. No. I don't think so either. And I mean, you think about it, Disney's going to have, I mean, Disney's playing it smart with their original content being related to content that they already have. Yeah. I mean, where Netflix, you have these original shows that are just standalones and you're like, what in the world? And at the end of the day, I mean, Netflix could market that they, they might be able to put out a bigger library than, than Disney as far as quantity goes, but. But can they with Hulu? I, I mean, I, I don't know, but as far as quality goes, I mean, Disney, if they're going to really legitimately put like their entire vault on there or attempt to, I mean, you're talking about some of the highest quality films ever made mm-hmm. and all on one service. I mean, and thinking about like being a parent who has kids, the reality is, is your kids will watch the same things over and over and over and over again. So a lot of parents are just going to be like, yeah, I'm going to get Disney Plus because now I can have my kids watch Lion King on repeat and I don't have or to worry about the DVD Disney getting Channel scratched. Shows right. Or, I mean, you're talking because they said they're going to put all the vault stuff automatically on there. Crazy. But I think they I think they were advertising 300 movies, 7,000 episodes of TV. It's crazy. That's a lot. And how are they approaching... How are they going to approach their new releases? So, for example, um, the 
newest Disney animated film comes out on well, I thought, on I home thought, release. Is it going straight to Disney Plus too? I I am unaware of how, what the timing is, but I thought it was going to launch with Infinity with uh, Endgame. Okay. I thought. I mean, I there's not that much lag time between release and putting on Disney Plus. I could also see them doing like a like a premiere membership. Like if you want the newest of the new releases without any delay, you maybe you spend twenty bucks a month instead of twelve or whatever. But then you would get everything the moment it comes out. Right. And you don't have to wait for anything. Exactly. But then but then the other thing too that Disney Plus is doing is you can buy an annual subscription. Mm-hmm. Which Netflix doesn't give you that option. And there's a discount with the annual subscription. Yeah. Of course. Which, I mean, honestly, like for me, I'm thinking like I might as well just lock in a year, see how I like it. If I want to stick around, I'd do another year. Yep. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I mean, how long is it before Disney's throwing an offer out in Netflix way, you know? It wouldn't surprise me. It's but a, then at the same time, too, I mean. To consume have, them. But you have the issue of. If Disney does that, then all of their competitors are just going to pull all their content off of Netflix. Yeah. Well, so. but at the end of the day, the Netflix execs don't care about whose content's on Netflix. They're like, yes, <laughs> we get paid, right? You know? I mean, I mean, if that was going to be the case, I think Disney would just suck in all of the Netflix originals, and that would be it. Right. Um, but then you think like Stranger Things is going to go underneath the Disney manor. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think Disney is caring less and less about their family friendly banner. And they're redefining what is family friendly anymore because culture and times have changed so much. There are certain values that, you know, 10 years ago would not be considered family friendly that now are, you know. Right. And, right. and it's, it's interesting. But I, I don't think Disney is as married to being the house of mouse, family friendly stuff anymore. I mean, they bought they bought Fox, and they're still gonna make Deadpool. So right. it's like, I mean, that, that says enough as it is, right? Right. But, but probably not under the Disney name. Yeah. But everyone knows Disney. Anyway. Disney owns Twentieth Century Fox or whatever. Yes, they do. But anyway, what 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 an what a rant about Disney Plus that wasn't even on the list here today. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? We've been going for no. about one eighteen. Oh wow, yeah, that's a long. Okay. We're just chatting away. Yeah, no, I don't know. Just yeah, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> well, as far as we are concerned, we're going to wrap up episode fifteen of the After Sunday discussion. Make sure to head over to our website e43collective.com e43collective.com to check out our other podcast Raking Coals and wherever you're listening to this podcast be sure to give us a review as we like to say here the only amount of stars that matter are what stars? Five stars. Five stars. They're the only stars that count. At least that's what I'm led to believe. So please leave us a review. That's what Rogan says, right? I think that's what everybody says. So because everybody says it, we're going to do it too. We truly are sheep. Uh, We just do whatever it is everybody else is doing. (laughs) If it works for them, it might work for us. Yeah, seriously. 
Um, but yeah, leave us together. a review. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. We would love to hear that from you as well as be sure to share this on any social media that you have. Please spread the word of the After Sunday discussion. I think that we have fun here. I think we talk about interesting things. So please be sh- be willing to share this spread the word around. It helps us a lot. Um, Also, just so you all know, uh, we are going to try and be more consistent with these after Sunday discussions, and we will probably be posting here soon or putting in a podcast somewhat of a schedule coming up into the, the, now that we're in the fall of 2019 here, um, Josh and I have some, some plans and some ideas of how we'd like to approach E43 Collective more as a whole going forward, which we would like to share with you all soon. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you guys have a fantastic week and a blessed day. Bye-bye.